He was somewhere along the wild borderline between Sonora and Arizona, and the prospector who dared the heat and barrenness of that region risked other dangers sometimes as menacing. Figures darker than the gloom approached and took shape, and in the light turned out to be those of a white man in a heavily packed burrow. Hello there, the man called as he came to a halt and gazed about him. I saw your fire. May I make camp here? Cameron came forth out of the shadow and greeted his visitor, whom he took for a prospector like himself. Cameron resented the breaking of his lonely campfire vigil, but he respected the law of the desert. The stranger thanked him and then slipped the pack from his burrow. Then he rolled out his pack and began preparations for a meal. His movements were slow and methodical. Cameron watched him, still with resentment, yet with a curious and growing interest. The campfire burst into a bright blaze, and by its light Cameron saw a man whose gray hair somehow did not seem to make him old, and whose stooped shoulders did not detract from an impression of rugged strength. "'Find any mineral?' asked Cameron presently. His visitor looked up quickly, as if startled by the sound of a human voice. He replied, and then the two men talked a little. But the stranger evidently preferred silence. Cameron understood that. He laughed grimly and bent a keener gaze upon the furrowed, shadowy face. Another of those strange desert prospectors in whom there was some relentless driving power besides the lust for gold. Cameron felt that between this man and himself there was a subtle affinity, vague and undefined, perhaps born of the divination that here was a desert wanderer like himself, perhaps born of a deeper and unintelligible relation having its roots back in the past. A long-forgotten sensation stirred in Cameron's breast, one so long forgotten that he could recognize it. But it was akin to pain. 2. When he awakened, he found to his surprise that his companion had departed. A trail in the sand led off to the north. There was no water in that direction. Cameron shrugged his shoulders. It was not his affair. He had his own problems. And straightway, he forgot his strange visitor. Cameron began his day, grateful for the solitude that was now unbroken, for the canyon-furrowed and cactus-spired scene that now showed no sign of life. He traveled southwest, never strained far from the dry stream bed, and in a dulcetory way, without eagerness, he hunted for signs of gold. The work was toilsome, yet the periods of rest in which he indulged were not taken because of fatigue. He rested to look, to listen, to feel. What the vast silent world meant to him had always been a mystical theme, which he felt in all its incalculable power, but never understood. That day, while it was yet light, and he was digging in a moist white-bordered wash for water, he was brought sharply up by hearing the crack of hard hoofs on stone. There down the canyon came a man in a burrow. Cameron recognized them. "'Hello, friend,' called the man halting. "'Our trails crossed again. That's good.' "'Hello,' replied Cameron slowly. "'Any mineral sign today?' "'No.' They made camp together, ate their frugal meal, smoked a pipe, and rolled in their blankets without exchanging many words. In the morning, the same reticence, the same aloofness characterized the manner of both. But Cameron's companion, when he had packed his burrow and was ready to start, faced about and said, We might stay together, if it's all right with you. I never take a partner, 
replied Cameron. "'You're alone. I'm alone,' said the other mildly. "'It's a big place. If we find gold, there'll be enough for two. "'I don't go down into the desert for gold alone,' rejoined Cameron, with a chill note in his swift reply. His companion's deep-set, luminous eyes emitted a singular flash. It moved Cameron to say that in the years of his wandering he had met no man who could endure equally with him the blasting heat, the blinding dust storms, the wilderness of sand and rock and lava and cactus, the terrible silence and desolation of the desert. Cameron waved a hand toward the wide, shimmering, shadowy descent of plain and range. I may strike through the Sonora Desert. I may head for Pinacati or north for the Colorado Basin. You are an old man. I don't know the country, but to me one place is the same as another, replied his companion. For moments he seemed to forget himself and swept his far-reaching gaze out over the colored gulf of stone and sand. Then with gentle slaps he drove his burrow in behind Cameron. Yes, I'm old. I'm lonely, too. It comes to me just lately. But, friend, I can still travel, and for a few days my company won't hurt you. Have it your way, said Cameron. They began a slow march down into the desert. At sunset they camped under the lee of a low mesa. Cameron was glad his comrade had the Indian habit of silence. Another day's travel found the prospectors deep in the wilderness. Then there came a breaking of reserve, noticeable in the elder man, almost imperceptibly gradual in Cameron. Beside the meager mesquite campfire, this gray-faced, thoughtful old prospector would remove his black pipe from his mouth to talk a little, and Cameron would listen, and sometimes unlock his lips to speak a word. And so, as Cameron began to respond to the influence of a desert less lonely than habitual, he began to take keener note of his comrade, and found him different from any other he had ever encountered in the wilderness. This man never grumbled at the heat, the glare, the driving sand, the sour water, the scant fare. During the daylight hours he was seldom idle. At night he sat dreaming before the fire or paced to and fro in the gloom. He slept but little, and that was long after Cameron had had his own rest. He was tireless, patient, brooding. Cameron's awakened interest brought home to him the realization that for years he had shunned companionship. In those years, only three men had wandered into the desert with him, and these had left their bones to bleach in the shifting sands. Cameron had not cared to know their secrets. But the more he studied this latest comrade, the more he began to suspect that he might have missed something in the others. In his own driving passion to take his secret into the limitless abode of silence and desolation, where he could be alone with it, he had forgotten that life dealt shocks to other men. Somehow this silent comrade reminded him. One afternoon late, after they had toiled up a white winding wash of sand and gravel, they came upon a dry water hole. Cameron dug deep into the sand, but without avail. He was turning to retrace weary steps back to the last water when his comrade asked him to wait. Cameron watched him search in his pack and bring forth what appeared to be a small forked branch of a peach tree. He grasped the prongs of the fork and held them before him with the end standing straight out, and he began to walk along the stream bed. Cameron at first amused, then amazed, then pitying, and at last curious, kept pace with the prospector. He saw a strong tension of his comrade's wrist, as if he was holding hard against a considerable force. 
the end of the peach branch began to quiver and turn. Cameron reached out a hand to touch it, and was astounded at feeling a powerful vibrant force pulling the branch downward. He felt it as a magnetic shock. The branch kept turning, and at length pointed to the ground. "'Dig here,' said the prospector. "'What?' ejaculated Cameron. "'Had the man lost his mind?' Then Cameron stood by while his comrade dug in the sand. Three feet he dug, four, five, and the sand grew dark, then moist. At six feet, water began to seep through. "'Get the little basket in my pack,' he said. Cameron complied and saw his comrade drop the basket into the deep hole where it kept the sides from caving in and allowed the water to seep through. While Cameron watched, the basket filled. Of all the strange incidents of his desert career, this was the strangest. Curiously, he picked up the peach branch and held it as he had seen it held. The thing, however, was dead in his hands. "'I see you haven't got it,' remarked his comrade. "'Few men have.' "'Got what?' demanded Cameron. "'A power to find water that way. "'Back in Illinois, an old German used to do that to locate wells. "'He showed me I had the same power. "'I can't explain. "'But you needn't look so dumbfounded. "'There's nothing supernatural about it.' "'You mean it's a simple fact that some men have a magnetism, "'a force or power to find water as you did?' Yes, it's not unusual, on the farms back in Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania. The old German I spoke of made money traveling round with his peach fork. What a gift for a man in the desert! Cameron's comrade smiled.